Hello, and welcome to episode four of the Easy Living Poker Podcast. I'm your host again, Garen Kitan, coming to you live from D-Land, Florida. Um, sorry, it's a day late this time um, this week. Um, had some life things going on that I had to deal with. I'm, uh, I've said before in the past, I'm a, a former professional baseball umpire, and we are about to begin baseball season, so I don't do very many games anymore as far as on the road. I mainly stick to high school games and a few college summer league games, but I'm trying to take it a little bit more seriously again and kind of jump back in, hopefully next year with more of a spring season. So that has been on my plate this week, and I've had a few um, preseason-type games and um, scenarios where I'm going out and helping uh, high school umpires learn how to be better at umpiring. So um, my time has been taken up a little bit, but I wanted to um, get back on and let everybody know how things are going. we got some exciting developments that are happening. Um, so my week, other than umpiring, um, the, fall, or the last week I played in a little $70 satellite to the $500 tournament that's coming up at Daytona Beach Racing and Card Club later this month. Um, and... To no luck, I um, we had a pretty good turnout. There were sixty-two players, so they were going to give. A, there were six seats um, given away, plus um, like a seventh place would get like one hundred and fifty cash, whatever the remaining portion was. Um, but yeah, we we um, we kind of got it going a little bit. Satellites are a little weird, a um, little bit different strategy than a normal tournament, but um, we got it rolling pretty good. Um, you know, it was just kind of a weird scenario. You play a lot more wider ranges, I guess, in satellites. That isn't the right way to say it. Let me rephrase. Um, you have to just be more aggressive and pick spots a little bit more aggressively because you don't start off with many chips. Blinds move up quickly. Uh, this particular one started with 12,000 in chips and 15 minute levels. So it moved very quickly. Um, one of the hands I remember that I was in, I had ended up I think I was down to like nine or ten big blinds. Looked down to ace jack of clubs after a middle position open. You know, I'm ripping that in all in on on the button, I believe is what I was. And I got called by ace queen of spades. So I was pretty much dead to rights and got lucky. A flop came jack ten. Um, or sorry, not jack ten. I'm sorry. Um, came ten nine seven. So I had a gutter ball straight draw and it was two clubs on board. And I ended up hitting... A third club to win the hand um let me get myself to a decent stack like if if you're in a satellite and can man you're going to try to manage 15 to 20 big blinds for a long portion of time uh, even more so than your standard tournament um and hope that other players get themselves into um into, into hands where they get eliminated then you can sneak into winning your seat but anyway long story short is that hand worked out for me and then later on i was down to i believe 11 big blinds or 10 big blinds and i opened i min raised the button small blind jammed for like seven big blinds or eight big blinds and then the big blind folded and i called um the opponent woke up with jacks and then the board ran out um no good for me. So the jacks held up. And then um, right after that, I kind of survived for a little bit with like, two, I was down to like two and a half big blinds. And I 
actually was able to raise and take it like pre-flop and literally double my stack um, right soon after. And then I ended up um, really not having any playable hands. It came around to me in the big blind and there's a big blind ante as well. So I've got two of my five big blinds left were in the middle. So I'm, I was, com you know, committed myself to it. Um, I had eight, four spades. So, and I was live versus an open, uh, ace five and did not win as well there. So I ended up getting knocked out. I believe it was like when I got knocked out, there might've been like about 30 players left or 20, somewhere between 25 and 30, I believe, um, out of the 62. And there were only six seats, uh, given away. So that didn't work out. Um, but I might fire like one more and see if I can get in cheap. Otherwise I'll just be buying into the tournament. Um, on February 26th over, like I said, in Daytona. Um, I have a couple today. This session, unfortunately, there is no interview today. One more time, we've had some issues scheduling, but now I do have things locked in where uh, Tammy, uh, Nathan, and Lion, I will be interviewing all three of those people, and I'll give more details coming up, but it has uh, a big deal to do with the $200,000 guarantee in Daytona from a few weeks back. So I'll be getting those interviews done. I think I'm going to be doing one Sunday, it looks like. Um, and then I'm going to try to do the other ones during the week. And then I should have quite a bit of good content. And I'm really looking forward to talking through some hands, more, uh, more advanced stuff um, and more content related to other players. Um, this week I do have two hands that were given to me from other people to discuss. One of my buddies um, from back home, uh, he had a hand that he wanted me to look at. And then I have a hand from the, um, I have a hand from the satellite that I wanted to talk about. It was kind of a weird scenario. I really, I don't know if I played it wrong incorrectly, you know, or if I, you know, Made the right play, so I'll, we'll go through that. And then um, after we're done with hands, um, we'll talk a little bankroll management. And then we'll talk some specifics on the $500 single-day tournament at Daytona coming up with a $100,000 guarantee. So um, as far as the first hand, so this hand comes from an online tournament. Okay, online tournament. Uh, the buy-in was, uh, this is an $11 tournament on America's Card Room. The action is on the hero with, this is not me, this is another uh, person, in the cutoff with 9-8 offsuit, so it's been folded to him. Um, blinds in this scenario right now in this tournament are 500 and 1,000. Um, with a $300 ante, I believe is what it is. It looks like. Yes, that's right. Um, so anyway, it's nine, eight offsuit and, um, the hero opens and they make it the sta uh, standard 2.2. So they make it $2,200, uh, in chips. And then the button folds the small blind folds and then the big blind Decides to three bet to let's see here six thousand so six thousand before and so that is basically a full um, almost a full three x not quite but close 
Um, so first off, I want to just go over a couple things um, with this player. So I don't have any problem opening the cutoff with nine eight offsuit. It's not, you know, it's it's you're connected, so that's good. It's not suited that I I would like it even more if it was a little bit suited, um, or if it was suited. Um, but it's not like I don't I don't think it's a bad play to open. Um, now it also depends on the players you have behind. So he started this hand. Um, let's see here with forty one thousand. So he's got forty one big blinds. The button has forty big blinds as well. The small blind has twenty three big blinds, and the big blind himself also with like almost almost has him covered. He has thirty five big blinds. So you have to think in this situation a couple things. Um, not only the stack size, but how many big blinds your opponent is. That that big blind factor plays in a, hu a huge deal. Also, what type of player this uh, person told me that the villain in this hand was a very tight player. Really hadn't been playing very many pots. Um, they were not. Um, basically, every hand that they'd showed down where it was like a monster hand. Like when when they had three bet, they were they had the goods every time, and it was very very few and far between. Um, this player does not use a HUD, and I would recommend that. We'll, t we'll get into that later episodes. But um, you can tell kind of some um, basic characteristics about your opponent if you do use one using playing online. But in an in-game scenario, if this were a live tournament, you just want to know what, you know how, how this player plays based on how you've been playing with them. And so he's basically saying he's a rock. He's, he's not somebody that's just going to be... Raising with nothing, and especially being that the opponent in this hand would be out of position, meaning they're going to act before the flop, um, then you're more likely to have a scenario where the the person actually has a, a big hand. Now, um, that being said, let's try to range him up. Um, if he is a competent player in the big blind, he definitely to a cutoff raise he should be three betting with a much more wide range than you would think it's not something that's just going to be open or three betting like you know jacks or tens or jacks plus and then like ace queen suited uh plus you know scenarios it's not going to be like that small of the of the premium hands is if he's a competent player he probably should be three betting in this scenario with, I would say, I'm trying to think what I would three bet here. I would probably three bet with like, uh, I'd probably like somewhere between sevens or eights plus. And maybe this is like I'm going through this and I, I hope I get some criticism or some feedback in the future. But, um, I'd probably three bet with eights plus, and then I would probably three bet all the way down to like, um, Probably king queen suited or better. Um, I don't think I. I think probably king jack suited, king ten suiteds, like queen jack suiteds, jack ten suiteds. I'd probably, I'd probably be more likely to three bet with like a jack ten suited than I would a king jack suited. Um, but I don't think they're. It's, it's somewhere in that area where I would kind of stop thinking about three betting and maybe just thinking about calling. So. As far as this hand goes, when the villain does that, 
Um, there's really no way to know online if, unless you look them up on the player and have the access to it. But like, if you feel like this player is like a really tight player, you know, you could do a basic, like I would say tens plus, and then like, Ace Jack suited plus probably or Ace Queen suited plus, so he's got a lot of hands that um, I mean your cards are live, but then there's a lot of hands also like you know Queens Jacks Kings you know you're 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 way behind, um, but I don't I also don't hate the fact that um, you have position and also the the opponent with 35 big blinds to start the hand so he is put in. Six, so he has 29 big binds left. Um, he's got too big of a stack to, to shove with one of those big hands, so he's definitely going to be three-betting him, and I think he's deep enough with 29 big binds left that you can make a call and navigate post-flop and see what happens from there, but definitely being cautious and um, taking all that we've talked about into account. So anyway... Um, the good thing for <laughs> the hero here, the flop comes seven. The hero, by the way, has nine of diamonds, eight of spades. Okay, nine of diamonds, eight of spades. And the flop is seven of spades, six of diamonds, five of hearts. So he gets the nine, uh, seven, six, five rainbow. He flops the nuts. Um, he's sitting there living right. He's living that easy life, the easy living lifestyle. Um, and so in the middle, we have got, I believe it is 12.5 big blinds in the middle. And our opponent has 29 and a half left. And we have uh, 35 left. So we have our opponent covered. The opponent leads out for two big blinds into, excuse me, not two, I'm sorry. I misread that here. 4.2 big blind. So a really small bet, like a third pot. So he has got 20, basically he's got 25 big blinds left after he makes this bet. So he is still, even if, I think he's making this bet, like if, if he has like ace king, ace queen, uh, ace jack, if he has, um, if he has tens, if he has jacks, you know, or even in the bigger hands, like, you don't want to, uh, especially, I don't think you want to raise here. Uh, obviously, we have the nuts, but straights, one thing I want to mention, straight, this straight can never get better. We still have two cards to come, and a lot of things can change. And one thing that definitely can't change is your hand. It's it's not getting any better. So I think that characteristic or that, that fact gets lost on people at times because... They just need to realize that, that there there are quite a few cards that um, if it runs, I, I've had it happen countless times where you flop the nuts and it's a rainbow board like, oh, I'm safe. And then all of a sudden the turn is a paired card and you're facing a big bet and you're just sitting there like, you know, it, it, I'll put it to you this way. Things can go south very quickly in this scenario, even if you flop the nuts um, with the straight like this. So anyway, the... Like I said, the villain bets 4.2 big blinds and our um, hero calls. So I agree 100%. I don't think there's really any. Um, I think that you, if you raise, you're really only getting like maybe aces or kings or queens. 
to play back at you, like those very top pairs, and like you're getting everything that's like so far behind you, like the ace kings, ace queens. You're letting your opponent off easy if you decide to raise. There's no reason to raise of any kind. And even honestly, in this scenario, if it's a um, a flush draw out there, I still think I'm leaning towards calling because there's going to be so many cards that your opponent. Or so many hands, I should say, that your opponent um, could hang themselves with that you're just letting them off the hook if you, you know, if this guy's ace, king of spades, and it were to come two diamonds and a, a club or something, you know, he's just going to be able easy fold when you when you make it 12 big blinds or whatever your, your raise is. So anyway, he bets 4.2 call, so we've got um, 20 big blinds roughly in the middle, and the turn is a... Beautiful card to see if you have the nuts. It is the Ace of Spades. So now we have a board of nine, uh, excuse me, of seven, six, five, Ace. Um, now, the next part of this hand that I want to talk about is our opponent checks. Okay, checks the Ace. Now, you may be thinking, you know, in your head, yes, that's a very great card because our opponent does have a lot of Aces in his range. However... They're in their range. However, I also want you to know that there's a good size or there's a good amount of the pairs, like nines, eights, or excuse me, no, eights, you wouldn't do that, but um, like, well, yeah, eights, nines, tens, jacks, queens, and you know, any pair below aces, obviously, um, is not going to like that card. So there's a good amount of the hands that your opponent will. Will basically dislike so this ace so when the opponent checks i don't mind a little sneaky check back because you're going to if the opponent has an ace you're going to get all the money probably on the river anyway and if he um has any of those you're letting him off easy if he has jacks or queens and you take away his bluffs on the river um or potentially him spiking that like a jack or a queen or a 10 or whatever his set that he needs, um, you take that away from him. So this um, isn't a bad scenario. So our um, hero has played this exactly how I would before. He actually checks it back, gives him some leash. Um, and then the river is an interesting card. The river is a five of hearts pairing the board. So our board is seven, six, five, ace. Five, so we no longer have the nuts. However, we have a very obviously very strong hand. Um, our opponent, there's twenty big blinds, just over twenty big blinds in the pot, and our opponent with twenty five big blinds left decides to just open jam all in for. His whole stack. And um, part of me is like, yes, this is awesome. This is good. Um, I do think that there is a small chance, you know, that your opponent has, I, I mean, if the if your opponent has sevens, sixes, or fives and just got their quads, then more power to them. Um, I don't think that your opponent is going to be doing this with as a bluff, although... Maybe they see your check as weakness and then want to fire at it first. Um, 
my mindset with this also is that, like, would an ace do this in that manner? And I think actually, like, a really good ace, if they're a tricky player, if they're trying to, like, you know, make it seem bluffy, I think they would. So I just find, I, I think it's pretty, pretty clear that you're in a scenario where it's just, you know, if they have you beat, you're just. You tap a table, tell them good game, you know, and just, or good hand, and you still have five big blinds left, and you just, you know, move on to the next tournament or something. So, um, the opponent, or excuse me, the villain calls, and our villain turns over ace, king of hearts. So, we, the uh, hero wins a huge pot, um, and this particular tournament was a, like I said, um, $11, I believe it was like 900 runners, and this player um, ended up going on to finish in 21st place, 21st place, and so it was a good little run there out of 900 people in a big hand that led them on the way, so um, I would love to hear your thoughts if you would have played the hand a little bit differently, or any, if you would have, um, you know, after the check on the turn, if you would have bet right away, I don't don't have a problem with it i would have probably kept it if i'm i'm gonna bet i keep it fairly small i just think that like you have a couple your, your options are either to bet for the value and just and hoping you know hope that most of the range with aces just pays you or you check back and at least let your opponent on the river have bluffs in their um in their range or capability so um, I don't, um, I don't really have a problem either way, but I think it's a good, a good way to think about it. And, um, just remember when you're in game, the range that your opponent can have and all, all of their full, their full range. And remember, like there is going to be part of the range that doesn't like the ace, And then there's going to be part of the range that does. And you've just got to navigate that and pick which one you'd like to exploit the most and hope it works out for you. Um, so that was that hand. Um, okay. Next hand, this one, this one really bugged me like for a while. Like, I don't know why it's a $70 satellite. It's not a big amount of money or anything like, but it kind of started my downhill trend in this satellite. And I just, um, it kind of ate at me for a while. So I'll give you the scenario. Um, I am in the big blind. No, sorry. I'm sorry. I was in the small blind, and I, um, hands dealt, and the villain in this hand was like under the gun plus one, so they just limp in. I believe at the time, I want to say our blinds were like 500, so it was like 300, 500 blinds um, with a 500 big blind ante, so he just puts a 500 chip in. Everybody else folds around to me in the small blind. And I look down at King 10 offsuit, King of Diamonds, Ten of Spades. I complete. I didn't really want to inflate the pot more, being out of position at the time. And this player had just sat down and late registered, like honestly, maybe five minutes before this hand. Not even, like maybe played three or four hands. So it wasn't, um, I didn't have a lot of info on the opponent. So I limp in and the big blind 
checks. So we have a thousand, two thousand in the pot. Um, I had, I believe, fifteen thousand in my stack, and this opponent who just sat down had like eleven thousand. The starting stack was twelve, so they they just basically sat down, and then our the big blind had exactly like twelve as well. So I had both the players, together, but just just barely. Um, the flop was ten of. Let me make sure. I, I want to make sure. I, I had King of Diamonds, Ten of Spades. Yeah, it was a Ten of Diamonds, Three of Diamonds, Three of Hearts. So I had top pair. Um, well, I have two pair in the situation with a King Kicker. Um, and I had the King of Diamonds as kind of a blocker. You know, another diamond out there to be blocking flushes. So with two thousand in the middle, I decided to just go out and bet right away. Um, I bet 600, so like a really small bet, like a little bit less than third pot. Big blind folds right away, and then my the villain called. So there is 3,200 in the middle, and the turn is the queen of hearts. So now it's a double suited board. It's 10, 3, 3, queen with two diamonds, two hearts. I have the king of diamonds and the ten of spades. I decide again to go for a value bet again and I, I honestly I need to I really need to think this through like I can't just what story am I telling I'm basically trying to more or less say that I have a three in a lot of aspects um, while also getting value from my 10 when my opponent just has draws you know or a worse 10 like a jack 10 queen 10 10 9 stuff like that so I'm, that's what I'm really targeting here so I bet 800, like another small bet, like a quarter pot. Um, and I, you know, I'm trying to bet smaller, I guess, because this is a satellite and chips are, are very precious and I don't want to go crazy. Um, and with this, with, you know, I'd, I'd really don't like the queen to be honest with you, but you know, it is what it is. So anyway, our opponent calls, just calls. So there's another 1600 in there. So there's 4,800 in the middle. And the river is the um, four of spades, so like a total blank. So the final board is 10, 3, 3, queen, 4. And being first to act, there, like I said, there's 4,800 in the middle. I bet 1,500, another small bet. And as soon as I bet, like very quickly after, um, my opponent made it for 4,500. Okay, right away, 4,500. So they make it three times. So it's, so they're putting 4,500, 6,000. So I'm getting, you know, over three to one to make this call. But I just, it was so, I don't know. I just, I don't know why I... I was thinking to myself, like, I probably should call, but I'm going to lose, you know? So, like, I'm thinking to myself, should I just wait for a better spot? And, you know, with my with the chips that I had, I think I had, like, about 12,000 remaining in my stack at this point. It's a starting stack. And so I ultimately decided to fold. I don't know if it's a good fold or not. Like, I never got to see. Maybe the opponent limped in with fours and hit on the river or something. I don't know. I, I think... 
like, and another thing is I really can't put him on a three. It was just a weird spot and a weird bet because I didn't want to have to call another. And in hindsight, I probably should have and just dealt with like whatever, eight, you know, 9,000 or 10,000 chips that I had left instead of, or I think it would have been like 9,000 left over and just dealt with it. Um, but yeah, it was just a weird spot. Like I, the really only three I can put him on is maybe ace three suited. Is he limping that like early? I just, I didn't know the player well enough. And ultimately I decided to just wait for a better spot. Um, I'd love to hear some people and, I, and I'm going to ask this, I'm going to ask this hand to a few other people when I interview coming up to see their reactions to it. But it was just a really, it seemed very strong to me and the player seemed very confident and it was just, uh, Anyway, it just was um, a weird spot, and it kind of made me puke when the guy raised because I didn't think he was capable of really bluffing. So I kind of was thinking he probably had like either queen ten or he maybe had um, queen something diamonds and and hit a queen, you know, something like that um, that had me beat. So I decided to let it go. So that was the second hand, and then um, moving forward. I'm going to be talking a little bit about bankroll management. Now, this is um, something that's kind of player dependent. Everybody's a little different on this aspect. But if you want to seriously play poker as, as a hobby, you have to do a couple things. Like, you have got to um, more or less divide your money. So, you need to have a an account that is your, that pays, like, whatever you're paying your regular bills with, whatever income that's coming in to pay that. Have that sitting there, and then have another separate account that is just poker related. So, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not afraid to share this. It's nothing crazy. I just have a couple thousand dollars that I just have online that I play with. That that's my bankroll. Like that's it for online. I don't have more than that. Um, now, as far as live goes, I do have a full time job, so I have consistent income coming in. I also umpire baseball. I do a lot of other things, so I don't really have to worry about it as much there per se. But I really can't take huge shots. Like honestly, that $500 tournament is a pretty big tournament for me, all things considered. Um, but if you're, if you're trying to venture into, into playing poker and get better at it and actually make some money doing it, I recommend highly to have that separate account. Just create, honestly, I'm going to give SoFi a little plug. Maybe one day they'll sponsor my podcast. Um, but I use their account and then like the savings account there, you can get three and a half or four percent interest right now on it which i know is still not making money because we are inflations at god knows what right now but um at the end of the day the money that's in there i can fund my poker account and then i can just leave i don't want it like if i ever win a substantial amount of money online i, I take off right away and leave like you know my one to two k on there but I never leave more on there just in case, you know, anything were to happen, money gets lost or money gets frozen or, you know, whatever happens that it potentially could happen. So, um, that being said, like with my America's card room bankroll, basically I just, you know, I, I really don't play anything more than like 30 to $50. Like that's my tournament range that I buy in for. And then like, honestly, cash games. I usually play 10 cent, 25 cent and buy in for 50 bucks. Like that's usually the max that I'm going to do sometimes a little bit more here or there, but I think it's very good to get consistent and play the same 
limits for an extended period of time to see if you're winning, see if you're losing. If you're playing 10 cent 25 and then all of a sudden you move it to 1 2 and then you lose a little bit or whatever and then you go down to 5 cent 10 cent, you really don't know if you're a profitable player because you may you may be a very profitable player at 5 cent 10 cent or even at 10 cent 25 but then when you occasionally take these little shots at 1 2 then you lose money. You never know ultimately what your actual um, ability could be and you're maybe not ready for that limit and it's just they start kicking your ass and you you learn your lesson so i just recommend being consistent with what you play setting and establishing your limits both in tournaments and cash games and actually sticking to it if you're disciplined and stick to it and try to play a good strategy and and try to get better by studying doing something every day to learn a little bit um i think that's the key to, to long-term success Stacking your days, not just your chips. Stack days positively. Go work out. Go eat right. Go, you know, take 30 minutes when you have it. Read. You know, take 30 minutes to listen to a podcast. I listen to the Thinking Poker podcast all the time. I'm about to join their Patreon club um, for daily hand analysis. Andrew Brokos and Carlos Welch. Awesome guys. Um, I've actually met Carlos one time, but there's no way he remembers me. Um, One of his recent episodes, they were in Jacksonville. Um, he played on the live stream. I'm going to have to go back and look at that. That's awesome. I played in that same stream before. But I think that anything in life, not just poker, it's discipline, setting your exact uh, action items that you're going to do to achieve your goal and then sticking to those is more important than even setting the goal. Figuring out what I have to do to achieve this goal is the key. So... Um, there's my little tidbit about bankroll management. Um, it's helped me a lot. I'm definitely not perfect. I've taken shots before, and too many um, too many times have I not adhered to that, and it's definitely hindered somewhat my progress. But at the same time, I'm hoping that I've learned from it and can get better in the future. So um, Moving forward again, just so you know, interviews upcoming. We are going to interview Lion, Tammy, and Nathan. I don't know the exact order yet, but things are in the works, and it's going to happen starting this Sunday. And then hopefully, so like next week on Wednesday, we'll be able to um, release the first of those. And then the little prototype new hats and shirts were completed. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Kelsey. Uh, thank you for making the shirts and the hats. Um and Big Mike as well. I can't. I got to get him in there. But um, so they came out awesome. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to really work hard to get um, EasyLivingPoker.com, the website that I run, getting it more functional, getting those shirts and hats available. I've actually had a few people reach out to me wanting to buy them already. So I really appreciate that. And I'm going to make it happen as soon as I can. Um, I am going to give the people that are being interviewed shirts um, and hats to try to get that out there, get the name out there and get people interested in listening to the podcast. So that's coming up. And then um, I'm trying to think if there's anything this week. So I will probably play. I have Monday off for good old president's day being a teacher. So I'm probably going to try to find some poker to play that day um, either online or maybe something live if I can find it. Um, and so I'll, that's kind of the next time I'll be able to do that. This weekend I'm umpiring a little baseball on Saturday and Sunday, so I'll be kind of tied up with that. But um, I'm looking forward to 
talking about hands in the future. Um, and then I have another friend from back home, back home for me, just so I, I didn't, didn't tell everybody is, is Lincoln, Nebraska, but, um, I've got a bunch of friends throughout the state of Nebraska. So I have a good buddy that plays on global poker. I'm not going to say his name yet, but I'm going to talk to him more about it. And he, um, is going to try to provide some hands and we'll try to maybe get him on here eventually. So, um, I hope everybody has a good rest of the week. Um, and keep on grinding, keep working hard. Remember stack days, stack positives. And when negative things happen, figure out why they happened and make them better. Um, but that's it for me y'all. Um, just remember to keep on easy living and have a great rest of the week.